Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Acting Out. I am your co-host, Ryan McQuaid, and joining me is my co-host and friend, Mitchell Beaupre. Mitchell, say hi to everybody. Hi to everybody. Well, you don't have to be literal like that. I (laughs) I do what I'm told. Obviously, Acting Out is a podcast where we cover an actor's filmography. We take a deep dive into their career through about 10 to 15 films and see why people love that actor so much. We are a little bit close to halfway through our Tom Hanks movie series, right? We're doing what, 12 films? I think we're doing I think we're doing 15. Oh, we're doing 15. I now I don't the, know math. The full 15 for Hanks, so. <clears throat> we're doing the full 15. Okay. But we're pretty much at the I mean, this is episode 7, so we're basically at the halfway point we are at the halfway point like after this halfway halfway through this episode you'd be like oh my god they're halfway through i think halfway through next episode technically seven and a half (sighs) okay neck yes okay all right welcome to acting out this is a podcast (laughs) (laughs) over math (laughs) welcome to mathing out (laughs) and how it can royally fuck over anyone's (laughs) intro um so uh, first couple episodes are already out mm-hmm. and we've gotten a lot of great feedback from everybody. You can find the show over on Apple and Spotify and Amazon, a bunch of other places too, wherever you get your podcasts, you can email us at acting out pod at gmail.com. If you got any list or questions, comments, and also you can follow us on Twitter and acting out pod dm us there if you have any questions for the show upcoming episodes actors you want us to cover uh, mitchell how's life been for you how's everything going you know i'm just hanksing it up over here and getting get my hanks on you know i'm watching watching some hanks movies that we're covering i watched joe versus volcano this morning a movie that we're not covered that we didn't cover on the podcast but was nice to take a little dip back to one of the earlier ones and see kind of a fun, different side of him. You know, a pretty pretty wacky movie. It's like same same era as The Burbs was. I think it came out like the year after The Burbs, and it's definitely like one of those ones where he's being a little bit a little bit different, going a little bit left to center. Would have been a fun episode if we covered it, but yeah, I mean, we're already we're already tapping pretty hard at fifteen, which is kind of the maximum that we would want to do like a series on. So we had to make some harsh cuts um, for this one. But yeah, Joe vs. Volcano. If people haven't seen it, definitely uh, check that movie out. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I know that a lot of people really like it. It's a little bit of a cult classic now. And yeah, it wasn't well received. Yeah, it wasn't well received, but it's gotten kind of a, a nice little following in in recent years. That's the f- first film in the Meg Ryan Tom Hanks trilogy. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's I think they got four the- now, didn't he? Wasn't he in that like movie that she directed kind of recently? Was she? Was he? Yeah, I can't. I can't remember what it's called. I played like a I don't know. game of cinephile once. Um, honestly, maybe with you, the uh, the cinephile card game where I was trying to think of the name of it. It's got like a really generic name. Ithaca is the name of it. He has like Meg Ryan directed it. She's in it. Tom Hanks has like a cameo in it that he clearly did as a favor uh-huh. to her. But yeah, it, it definitely isn't part of the. Um, 
you know the very known kind of trilogy of it's not it's not the it's not in canon yeah 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 exactly it's not it's not um the sequel to you've got mail or anything you've got mail to no, ithaca <laughs> sleepless in ithaca sleepless in ithaca. Um, yeah there you go um well we are happily along episode seven here everyone's been saying nice things we were just recently uh for all the listeners out there in the timeline and everything we were recently captains on film spotting trivia night the two of us and i would like to say i know this this is going to release like a month after we've done this (laughs) and everything but i just want to give a shout out to adam and josh and everybody over at film spotting for inviting us to do that that was such a wonderful opportunity to talk about the show and uh have mitchell and i go head to head a couple times uh throughout the night and just a great experience overall and if you're not following arguably the biggest podcast on uh the film planet and uh one of the most uh, recognizable podcasts out there film spotting then please go do so and then if you want to join in on the festivities of trivia night they do that through their patreon at patreon.com slash film spotting uh, where mitchell and myself are are patrons over there for that wonderful show and uh but yes thank again to adam josh and everybody involved over at film spotting and film spotting trivia uh thomas todd uh as well shout out thomas, shout out thomas. Um, who always does a great job and all the other wonderful uh, the captains that were alongside us and everybody that were on our teams too, all those wonderful people that were on our teams that night. Um, it was a great night, wasn't it? Yeah, very fun night. I mean, tri- trivia spotting uh, has been one of the most rewarding kind of things to come out of the horribleness of the last couple of years with the pandemic and everything, getting to meet new friends through doing the film spotting trivia has been really wonderful something i'm super grateful for people that i met through there and i'm still friends with outside of there and now doing kind of you know my own stuff with them outside of there that you know we do you and i uh do game, our own game nights with them and everything and you know mm-hmm. getting i mean getting to meet uh over zoom virtually adam and josh and sam van Halgren, the producer and former mm-hmm. co-host of film spotting and you know all these fantastic people it really has been a thing that through these last you know few years of the pandemic every day is i mean really tough especially for someone like me who does not leave my home it's it's pretty hard and can feel pretty isolating so it's nice to have that one thing at least you know one thing i can count on each month to really look forward to and i'm super grateful for everybody who makes that happen for sure without mitchell i would have never done it yeah that's true Uh, you you really said do it it's a lot of fun yeah and because i'm i'm terrified of doing trivia because i'm i'm pretty good at it it's just the 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 pressure of doing it especially upon uh, amongst a bunch of people that i really admire and and respect so um and the old, the ultimate failure of just like i'm not smart i cannot do this and it, it gets it it's definitely when the imposter syndrome sort of kicks in uh, but then you you surprise yourself like when we went and did the captain's head to head and uh, and i won 
uh, and beat Mitch and I beat Mitchell and uh, that's going in, in my bio now. It goes on my resume. Fair enough. I beat Mitchell Beaupre uh, and lived to tell the tale. So. Yeah, for now. For now. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I am counting my days. Yeah. I still. This is like the ring. I have seven days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Please, my please cut over. this episode together pretty quick after, after we finish recording it. <laughs> I'll get it up. It's it's a memorial episode. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. But yes, again, shout out to film spotting trivia and all those people over there. Yeah. Before we get into our episode here, which is over Apollo 13. Mm-hmm. You know, over the last couple episodes, we've been getting to know each other or at least having our audience get to know us. Because we we already know each other. I mean, we're like we're best friends. We like promise it's... we know each other, right? I Mark. We know that we know the talk is out there. Everybody's <laughs> saying, "Oh, these motherfuckers! They just you know they don't even know each other. They just started this podcast. They just got on here and started talking for no reason. It's like listening to two strangers. We promise we know each other." Yes, Mark and I have been doing. A great job. Just at this me, podcast. Mark, hanging out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> totally kidding. No, we want our listeners to get to know us every single week and, and through not just our film taste, but who we are as people, as human beings. And, uh, Mitchell, you ever go down a YouTube rabbit hole? I've watched some stuff on the tube. Okay. On the YouTube or the Me Tube? Probably a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Okay. Um, Well, one thing I have uh, gone down the rabbit hole with is this this thing that Stephen Colbert has been doing recently, which is the Colbert Questionnaire. And it's a series of 15 questions, and you really get to know somebody. As he says, plumb the depths of of a person's individuality Mm. through these 15 questions. Scientific questions. Mm. I thought for a starter episode, we could, you know, talk about these and do these together. Let's do it. Okay. Some of these, as listeners of past episodes will know, Mitchell will have to, we're back to 10 years ago because some of them are food related. So just, just say, I know, I know, but it's just two of the 15. So, Um, but I think they still say something about you as a as a personality, as a person, as a member of this planet. There. Even though I I think you're from a different planet, and I'm from. A I can't confirm planet. anything. Yeah. Okay, all right. Sorry, I don't want to spill the beans on that. That's a that's a bonus content episode waiting to happen. Anyway, so the first question, Mitchell Bupre, what is the best sandwich? Best sandwich, honestly. Sand, sand, so are we talking sandwich or are we talking like sub? Because sandwich and sub are two different things. Right? Oh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. My thought is... This, this is why I asked the questions, folks. My thought goes to sub, but that's different than a sandwich. So you tell me. That's what, however you want to answer this question. All right. So my, I'm going to answer that my favorite is an Italian sub. That's okay. That's what I like, and I'll throw in if we're just specifically talking sandwich. I do like a BLT. No, how about for yourself? 
Where are you going oh sandwich-wise? There's so many sandwiches, too. There's a lot right? of sandwiches nice. out there. I mean, a BLT, a BLT is a good answer. I don't know what I just said before that, but... Um, but a BLT is a good answer. Um, a Reuben is a good Reuben's answer. Good. I gotta tell you this though. My favorite, if I'm doing my favorite sandwich, like if you could present me a sandwich right here, right now, there is a salmon sandwich oh, interesting. here in town at this place called Pam's patio kitchen. And it is this beautifully seared piece of salmon that is put on house made focaccia bread Oof. with spinach and just the most plum tomatoes you could have with a chipotle aioli sauce put on top and it is fucking dynamite and it's like it's salty it's uh, a little spicy but it's the kind of spicy that you just want to continue to eat even though you're like my mouth is a little bit on fire. Not like a ton on fire, but you're like a little bit. Like you, you feel a hint. I'm concerned, but, but we're not calling the ambulance yet. Yeah, we're not calling anybody yet nah. because I'm going to finish the sandwich. Nah. Also, oh. you can never go... Uh, bonus bonus sandwich. Okay. You can never go wrong with a PB&J. You sure. can never go wrong sure, with sure, a PB&J. Sure. I mean, yeah. Now, it just depends on what kind of a jelly we're talking about. Mm. Did you have a favorite jelly when you were... Um, I mean, I like your, you know, your strawberry and your grape, you know, I, I don't have necessarily a preference between the two. I like to eat the one. I, you know, my, my family, uh, my mom's family is English. So for me, I was getting some jam, jam going on. Mm, yeah. Jams are good. Jams yeah. are good. Yeah. Jams are good. Um, I do it with peach, uh, peach preserves. Oh yeah. Yeah. Peach. I, I didn't really get into that much, but it sounds good. I didn't. Peach I didn't is really a, dislike it. because of. Fredericksburg's about uh, is a small town, mostly kind of German uh, town, and up there they have a lot of uh, peaches. Peach, they get liquored up and go to the peach tree dance down there, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> and so a lot of Fredericksburg stuff is designed around peaches, and and so peaches is a big staple down here in South Texas. So, mm-hmm. um, Mitchell, next question: What's one thing that you own that you really should throw out? Oh, that's a weird question. Um, <laughs> one thing that I own that well, why don't you? Well, I'll think about it. You give you give your answer for it because that's I, I need to think about that one a little bit. I really should throw out my old all these pop figurines that I thought were cool. I really should get rid of that shit. <laughs> like it was the most dumb dumb waste of money i ever did and i really should get rid of those yeah that in old clothes like old clothes yeah it, i mean it probably is something boring like clothes for me because i i'm very minimalist i don't have a lot of stuff i it's like just kind of my general vibe is that i don't i really don't have a lot of stuff um so if anything it would be like either clothes or like I have a lot of movies that I own that are like things that I own on DVD, but then I bought like a Blu-ray or whatever, and I've been meaning to like yeah. donate the DVDs like somewhere or you know like give them to friends or like something like that. So like that that's probably something that's like taking up space that I can get rid of. It's just tough. Again, the pandemic situation, going to the post office, kind of like a, a difficult thing for me. But 
yeah that's that's like a thing that i would probably say is just movies that i have multiple copies of that's a, that's a fair that's a fair answer it's a fair answer i appreciate that mitchell what is the scariest animal the scariest animal um i don't know something like poisonous probably like a poisonous like spider i feel like the scariest animal to me would be like something that could poison you without you even knowing like something small that could just like get at you without you even knowing do you have a what's this what's the what's the scary one for you cats cats are scary to you yeah they're walking around with their jellical self Sure, yeah. I mean, certain certain cats. Yeah. Know. Certain cats are definitely scary. Yeah, ones that look like James Corden. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I'm... I just never get cats. I know a lot of people love cats. I just... I, can't I was, I I was can't not a cat person at all until I started dating Sam. Sam has a couple cats, and their, their cats... I just love... So I don't much. hate them. I just... I'm like... I'm just like... Yeah, I... I get... I, I, you know, I'm there's st- like we just don't vibe. Yeah, I'm still. It's because they do their own thing, and I don't like that. They really do. I'm still a dog person more than anything else. I just I love yeah. dogs, but um, I love dogs. But yeah, so but they're one of Sam's cats in particular is I have a very close connection with, and so yeah. I I, love I, I had a cat when I was when I was younger. I've never had a cat, and and then it and then they it got run over. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Moving, so ever since then, maybe on. maybe it's sad. Maybe yeah, it's that. You did? Did you answer it though? Yeah, I said something like a. I, I mean, I don't know anything specifically, um, but just like something small that could kill you, like a spider. Yeah, yeah, like a, a poisonous spider that doesn't look poisonous okay. or something right. like that. You know, Tick, right. ticks ticks freak me out. Okay, I've I've, I've yeah, had some ticks. ticks before on inopportune places of my body and. Yeah, ticks, ticks scare me. Okay. Apples or oranges? Oranges. Easy. No hesitation. Oranges for me. Hmm. Okay. Apples. Interesting. Podcast over, apples. I guess. <laughs> 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 Though, I will say, I mean, I, they both have their place. Sure. Um, I, I think... Um, my dad had tangerine trees. Tangerines are really good. And Nectarines. they froze over. They froze so like the the trees don't exist anymore. Thanks a lot, Greg Abbott. Um anyway, there was nothing better than walking outside 35 degrees and pulling a a, a tangerine off the tree and eating and it was like having just it was so cold and it just oh so good. Um but apples I just yeah, fucking love apples. Apples a day, whatever you know. The old motto. Goes. Honestly, maybe a fair point. I see it. I see the doctor a lot. I don't eat. A, I don't eat apples. So. Yeah. And how about them apples? How how about them apples? We'll we'll get yeah, into yeah, that sure. at some yeah, point we'll in, in a series. One point. Oh, we'll, I think I think we will talk about one of those guys. Those apples. One, one of those, those guys are gonna get covered in the series. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> All right. Have you ever asked someone for their autograph? Yes. Um, who was the per- who was the person? I think just 
one person. Um, there is a musician who goes by the name Current Joys. His real name is Nick Radigan. He isn't like huge, but has you know a pretty decent following. He's one of my favorite musicians. I've seen him play probably like three times, I think, live and um one time i mean he always is like at like his merch table like after the show like meeting people and you know mm. getting handshakes and stuff um and so the first time that i saw him live i got a um vinyl of his most recent album and i asked him to sign that for me and he did and then like the second time i saw him play i got a picture with him um I think the third time I saw him play, I got a picture with him too. And then, so him, and the only other one, I guess I didn't really ask for it, but um, Spike Lee was like selling signed copies of some of his movies on Blu-ray, and I bought Mobetta Blues uh, signed by Spike Lee. Um, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, what about you? Um, see, I see... I think for like autographs nowadays, people would say like it's selfies or something. And I don't, I don't fucking do selfies. I don't do pictures with celebrities. I'd rather just have a conversation. I'm like, I was surprised that I was having a conversation with Kenneth Branagh uh, last year at Middleburg. And I, um, just like someone was like, you guys want to take a picture? And I was like, Sure, I guess. <laughs> like, it didn't consciously to me like think that like I, I should do that. When I was a kid, though, I always wanted to get um Spurs players right. autographs yeah. because they were like everything to me, or like football players, and I never got any of those. Um, but when I was in college, I got uh, Jeff Twitty and Wilco to sign my album of theirs that that i owned uh, the sky blue sky album and i own it it's in the other room and it's the the album that got me on to them and i even got to talk to them i was like this is like this album means so much to me it's so important and and they said oh my god you know thank you that's awesome and i said you know i'm gonna be at the show the next two nights and they said where are you gonna be i said well i'm gonna try to make to the front row and jeff looked at me and said if you're not at the front row you better not show up and I remember the first night I was in the front row and right, right as uh, they were, he was tuning guitar. He said, he I could hear him. I could hear him look right back at me and, and say, well, it looks like you made it. There you go. And, uh, and then he went right into the next song. So that was very cool. And then, um, similar to like your spice situation, um, Bruce Springsteen was signing autographs uh, for his book. And, uh, and I got to get an autograph for his book that he did and also take a picture with him. There you so go. that was pretty cool. Streets of Philadelphia so. himself. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what do you think happens when we die? Oh yeah. I don't know. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> that's the next question. That's literally the next question in this question. Yeah. I, this is when I get very depressed. So. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. No, it's fine. It's it's one of those things where I feel like I just feel so, I guess, I mean, I'm scared of dying to a degree, but I'm so content with the fact that, like, 
we just have no idea what's going to happen. And, like, I think that there's just really no way to even conceptualize what could possibly happen. Like, we... There's no... We have no conception of what happened before we were born, right? And so I feel like that's going to be the similar kind of case when we die, that whatever happens, it's a completely other plane of existence to a degree. And so there's really no way... To predict it or even conceptualize it for me and yeah i think i'm i'm okay with that um i don't i don't try to i guess think about it too much or when i do think about it that's about as far as i get um i mean i'm definitely not like a religious person or anything so i don't have any um yeah any like religious kind of foundation to to give me an idea of what would happen um yeah what about yourself yeah, I try not to think about it at all. There you go. Because it, Moving cause on. it terrifies the shit. It terrifies the shit out of me. Uh, I just hope it's some. I just hope it's something good and yeah. worth and worth it, and and that it's painless. Yeah, that'd be nice. That would be very nice. Um, favorite action movie. My favorite action. Movie. These are these are in order, by the yeah, way. This is how this questioner goes. Kind of a weird uh, roller coaster. Um, yeah. <laughs> of. Uh, <laughs> of an arc here but my favorite action movie is speed for sure it used oh. to, I, would, I used to say die hard but within the last few years i have come around i still love die hard with all my heart but i've still i've come around within the last few years to just being very confident that speed is a perfect movie it is the perfect action movie I love every second of that movie. We will, whether it's Keanu or Sandy B, we will cover it at some point. I guarantee it, and I'll be very happy for that. Speed, forever. Not Dennis Hopper? I mean, or Dennis Hopper, but, (sighs) yeah. Dennis Hopper, one of my favorite actors of all time. I've written about Dennis Hopper. Um, But, yeah, any of Jeff Jeff Daniels. I mean, he doesn't have a big part. Jeff Daniels. We we wouldn't cover it because he doesn't have a big part. It would be a very short episode for Jeff Daniels, just like the five minutes he's in. Yeah, when we do do the Alan Ruck series, uh, Speed definitely (laughs) definitely gets a a big (laughs) moment. How about about favorite action movie for you? There's so many. Cats. Cats again. (laughs) Fuck you. Um... (laughs) Um. Oh fuck! This is tough. Um, you knew these questions ahead of time. <laughs> I knew them too, and then I th- and then you think about it. I didn't you know get these. In the, um, Kill Bill. You do you consider it the the whole Kill, thing? I said. Whole bloody ki- affair? I said counselor. All right. All right. I said Kill Bill. All right. But maybe, maybe Lord of the Rings. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. There's Hobbit movies. Maybe Mad Max. Maybe The Matrix. Maybe Raiders uh, of the Lost Ark. Yeah, the Ma- the Matrix would be a big contender. For maybe me. The Mask of Zorro. I'm not joking. No, I don't think I don't you are. No, the movie's great. I don't think um, I've seen it. You never seen the Mask? Oh. I don't. I don't think so. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe Skyfall. Hmm. I do love a I do love a Bond. Yeah, Casino Royale is my favorite. Yeah, that too. Those are great. Yeah. But yeah, today I'll go with Kill Bill. Kill Bill. What is your favorite smell? Um, I like 
Sam's been using this like conditioner, this like new like conditioner, um, or like shampoo or sh- combination, like a sh- a new shampoo and a new conditioner or something. If you don't know the brand, we can't get a sponsor. I'm I'm, so. I'm sorry about it, but I'll edit, we'll edit it in later. I'll get the brand and we'll edit it in. But I don't watch know. it be like edit in Pantene. Yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, though, I I do really like it, and I think it is. Part, you know obviously partly just like the smell of your partner and like the person you love is like inherently mm. going to be like a big thing but then also like the smell of that is is really nice and there's certain foods smell really nice i am one of those people who really likes to smell gasoline um in the in the morning in the morning um okay. but yeah how about how about you there's nothing i think mm-hmm there were some flowers today at, at my work that smelled. Uh, somebody bought flowers and they were very and they were very nice. And then yeah, yeah like you know, uh, you know my wife. Uh, so, but um, I would say really honestly, um, freshly brewed coffee. Yeah. In the morning, coffee there's too. something calming about it, and just yeah. you know, I just that like when you walk into a coffee shop, like I love the smell of that or, you know, you know, the smell of, uh, sm- smell of, uh, of, uh, garlic and butter in a pan too. There's something yeah, about f- like foods, food. food smells. Yeah. Foods, really. foods very, it's a very, cause I find cooking very therapeutic Sure. and I can put music on and I can just kind of do that. And so, but I would probably say coffee, mm-hmm. uh, your least favorite smell. Um. Say it. <laughs> Say it. Poop. There you go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, dick poop. poop. Um, oh, yeah. Great moment. Dick, dick poop. Classic. <laughs> um, I agree with you. Poop. Yeah. Doesn't poop. smell good. Doesn't smell good. Especially my dog's shit. That, like, animal poop has a, a per- in particular. It's just, yeah. It's not, no bueno. No. Exercise. Worth it? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's a tricky thing for me because I, with kind of my condition, I can't do too much of it, but I do just for like emotional reasons, um, and like psychological reasons. I, I like what exercise can do for me, even if it's just like going for a walk. Um, Mm -hmm. I really like, I used to be before I got sick, I used to be really big on running. I used to run a lot. And yeah, it was more not even necessarily for like physical health or like that kind of stuff. I'm, I've never been like a gym person or anything, but just for releasing the endorphins that it does and kind of the space that it gives me to reflect and be with myself. I, I do like exercising. Okay. How about you? Uh, yes, it is worth it. Yeah. Um, I love getting into my yard yeah and and doing stuff there and going for walks yeah and um i run around the backyard with my dog sadie yeah so that's, yeah that's, that's something all, that, that always yeah. keeps me going yeah. we do a, we do stuff together um flat or sparkling flat yeah yeah flat yeah, yeah. i like flat. don't complicate it don't complicate it Filtered, please. Cold. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. Cold I, I water, like a room temperature water. Cold water, please. If I wanted room temperature, I would just put it in my. Well, see, here's the thing. It's like you live in Delaware. I live in Texas. So, like, if a water bottle sits out, yeah. it's gonna get room temperature gonna get for hot you. Quick. A different, a different yeah. room. It's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, everything's cold. Everything's gotta be cold. So, uh, most used app on your phone? Letter- Letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not to plug, but <laughs> not to, uh, it feels like a plug. Kind of. Are we sponsored like by Letterbox this week? I think we're we're in a way we're sponsored by Letterbox every week. <laughs> Yeah, that and awards watch. That's what yeah, we're sponsored by every exactly. week. Um, um, yeah, genuinely, I mean, Letterbox for sure is is the one that I use the most. I think mine's probably Twitter. Yeah, it's probably Twitter or my email. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, like my because uh, you know, my Gmail. Yeah, it's probably what I use a lot. Yeah. Or Slack. To communicate with everybody, right? I need I need ways to communicate with with my staffs, so yeah. Um, so that's what, and then yeah, I use Letterbox. As Everyone, you, as don't you worry, should. as I should. I've been told I don't use it enough, but I will. <laughs> you can listen to one song for the rest of your life. What would it be? I'm not sure if it's my like all-time favorite song. I don't know if I have an all-time favorite song, but the Tracy Chapman song Fast Car is a song that I really love and really find extremely therapeutic, really just mellows me out every time that I listen to it. It can make me emotional sometimes. It can also just make me super chill sometimes. And I would say if there's if I can only listen to one song forever, that would probably be the song that I would choose for it. Hmm. And you, I assume, will go with Streets of Philadelphia. <laughs> How did you know? Um, it just no. some, something something in my in my mind just keeps going back to Streets of Philadelphia for some reason. To the streets of Philadelphia. No, I would go with Wilco's One Sunday Morning. There you go. Have you heard that song? Have you ever listened to that song? I don't I maybe I have, but I wouldn't like You'll remember you'll remember it if you've yeah, heard exactly. it. it's about ten it's about ten it's about ten minutes long. Right. So yeah. <laughs> That's why it's like there's no there, you've either heard it or you have Yeah, it. right. I'll, I'll send I'll send it to you. Okay. You can hear it later. It's it's um it's a beautiful song. Very, very, it's very simple. They like kind of came up with it all together while they were in the studio. They had the lyrics and it's, it's quite a beautiful little song. Um, Mitchell, what number am I thinking of? Eight. Nope. All right. Describe the rest of your life in five words. They're they're doing they're doing the fingers. I mean, you're not you're not gonna like this, but the rest of my life. Oh, I thought you, I thought you were gonna say 
you're not gonna like this. Oh, that's that's good too. That's really good too. But yeah, the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, no, I'm trying to do it myself. The hard, streets of. <laughs> 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 just do that for five yeah. <laughs> um hope it remains really good there you go that was sort of our preamble and now speaking of something that some people would consider really good paul 13 here we go Ron Howard's Apollo 13. Right? Correct. You excited? Yeah. Yeah? Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Sound hesitant. No. No. I'm just trying to see how high your voice could go. Yeah. Uh, directed by Ron Howard. Stars one Thomas the Hank Engine. Kevin Bacon, Bill Paxton, Gary Sinise, Kathleen Quinlan, Ed Ward Harris, and many more. The film, of course, is as followed. NASA must devise a strategy to return Apollo 13 to Earth safely after the spaceship undergoes massive internal damage, putting the lives of the three astronauts on board in jeopardy. This is the continuation, Mitchell, of the run for Hanks, where his movies were not only a massive box office success, but they were also critically successful, as well as awarded pretty handsomely with Oscar nominations. He himself did not get nominated for this film. We could talk about that. Not this time. But. This is his follow-up to Forrest Gump. And a reunitement with his splash director and Ron Howard. The guy who started it all for him. Yeah. Right? And really put him on the map. Ronald. You know, good old Richie Cunningham himself. Right? Opie. Willow's own so. Ron Howard. <laughs> <laughs> So, Mitchell, I don't think we've ever talked about this movie. Yeah. And we haven't really diverged a lot on differential on this show so far. But I did catch a peek at an old letterbox rating for this movie for you. It was not high. Correct. So, so I would assume that you rewatched this film because it had been a while since that rating i'm curious if it changed for you at all on this watch or you're still not a fan of this movie well yeah it it actually did change for me i and that was when we were planning on doing this series and we kind of lined up the films that we wanted to do apollo 13 was one of the ones that i was most looking forward to seeing because i hadn't seen it since i was kind of in my late teens and i know back then i was a a rebellious young whippersnapper who was 
getting into art cinema and I loved movies like Eraserhead and, you know, Solo. And I thought that I was too cool for a movie like Apollo 13. And so I watched it and was like, ah, oh, this, this vanilla Hollywood, you know, garbage. <laughs> and so I gave it, I, you know, thought I thought I was too cool for it back then. And there are plenty of movies that I had that opinion of back then when I was a little bit of a snob and wanted my you yeah me and a snob and so now you know i revisit them now in my 30s and (laughs) i and i have i have a different appreciation for them and i can get on board with them and recognize that like oh no this is a good movie i was just being kind of a dick you know and so i i had a feeling that apollo 13 was going to be a movie like that. There's another one that we're going to cover in the series that I have a similar feeling that I'm particularly looking forward to, to rewatching later on that I, I think I'll have a similar turnaround on. But, I mean, sometimes sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I don't. Forrest Gump, you know, I, I didn't turn no, around we on were, that one. No, we were, no. Um, nope. Still didn't care Don't turn it. around. Uh-oh. Yeah. Exactly. But, yeah, yeah so I, I liked, I quite liked Apollo 13. I don't love it. I Definitely don't think that it's, I mean, I don't even think it's one of the best movies of its year or anything like that, but I did, you know, quite like it, and there are a lot of things that I liked about it, um, so yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into them, but first, how how do you feel? Just kind of an overall taste of what your feelings are on Apollo 13. I know you said that you hadn't seen it since, what, you were like a kid, kid, right? <laughs> yeah, I hadn't seen it since I was like pretty young yeah um yeah it, it had been a it had been a hot minute since i seen it um so what they what when i saw it i think it was like in elementary school right and they showed it in school because we were going the next week to take a trip to nasa uh, which is like a three-hour ride away from yeah from Texas. You got some. Well, it's is it in Texas, NASA? Yeah, it's in Houston. You said it's a three-hour drive from Texas. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's a three-hour ride from San Antonio to Houston. Okay. It's and that's where now. NASA's. We're all on board. Now. I yeah. I I. You confused me. I was like, I, thought I I'm confusing myself. It's 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 been a long day, folks. Trust me. Yeah. It's here. Uh, <laughs> and I remember seeing it and thought it was like the most terrifying thing you could show, like a nine or ten year old. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty intense uh, be- for for a kid. you're like. Oh my God! Is Tom Hanks gonna die in space? Right. right yeah. <laughs> like, what are we doing, America? Yeah. And then to like have it explained to you that no, these were like real people, and no, you're you moron. That's it, it, you're a child, and you don't understand how acting works. Um. So, uh, and I remember watching it. <laughs> this is the truth: is that watching the movie was so gripping. And I was so into it. Then the trip the next week was so disappointing because oh, sure. it was so yeah, bland. Yeah, yeah. It was so fucking bland yeah. compared to what I was watching. 
and you're a kid, you haven't seen like everything in the world, and I don't know Ron Howard's uh, palette yeah. at that point or his uh, aesthetic on cinema, uh, his uh, soapy aesthetic. I think is the best way to describe it. It's sentimentalism it's, yeah. put on on your uh, put on your heart strings and, and play them until the cows come home. And I think it works sometimes. Like I think his style works sometimes. Um, I think it works here. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's something that I'm you know? excited to get into is that I feel like he really is holding himself back from leaning into those tendencies with this movie. This movie, I think, particularly compared to the rest of his filmography, feels really restrained and very yeah just kind of by the numbers in a good way like he's not trying to lean too hard on that sentimentality that manipulation sure it's there a little bit sometimes but yeah that was one of the things that stood out to me the most because i typically don't like ron howard as a director like his his tendencies don't really stick with me um but never gonna get him on the show i'm you know he's he is on next week but we'll see um But yeah, that was really one of the things that Ron Howard talking about spoiler for everyone. Toy Story would be very interesting. He's like, you didn't want me on for the Apollo 13 episode. And we're like, no, No. we were good. It's all right, Ronnie boy. I said some stuff. We're good. We don't. You didn't need to. You liked it? You You liked it? We like that one. We like that one. Yeah, we like that one. Yeah. Your best movie. That one's really good. But yeah, I I really like the procedural nature of this, and that it feels very yeah by by the books, and that 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 was something that stood out to me probably more than anything else on this rewatch was how unsentimental it ultimately felt. I was surprised at how quick this movie was. Me too. Me too. This movie I remembered being three hours long i i had the exact same thought and i was curious if because last week we kind of talked about the the same thing happening with forrest gump where it it almost might be like a mandela effect kind of thing but it also probably comes from what i think you were talking about last week the idea that we saw these movies a lot from being on rotation on cable when we were younger Mm. and just being kind of around them on cable so on cable this probably is three hours long if not longer now probably but yeah, so I had the same thought going into this last week when I knew that I was going to rewatch it, that I was preparing for a three-hour movie, and then I put it on. It's two hours and 20 minutes long, and also it really does move. It really isn't – it doesn't drag at any point. And no. Yeah, so those, those two hours and 20 minutes go by pretty smooth. I was surprised by how quickly they really got the flight going. The flight, you know, the, the launch for Apollo 13 itself probably happens like 30-ish minutes into the movie. Which, about 40 minutes in. Yeah, I for some oh, reason my memory was there's a lot more time with them on the ground before getting up there, but they really don't waste a ton of time. See, really, my thing was is that, I don't know, maybe it's just for me, but I felt that we spent so much time on the ground, and then when we got to space, it was just like, okay, this goes by real quick, and then they, and then like, before you know it, they're back on earth. Mm-hmm. Like they, 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 you know, it was, I felt like weirdly enough, like, you know, cause Ed Harris gets nominated for this movie. Right. Deservedly so. And, and, um, 
Kathleen. Um, Kathleen Quinlan gets nominated. Which okay, you're gonna have to explain that to me. What is she doing in this movie? She's not doing anything. She's barely in this thing, right? Like, am I crazy? It, it is in, a weird nomination. That is a weird nomination. It, it's like Jackie Weaver in Silver Linings sure, Playbook. Like, yeah, it's where I, did this come from? It's a very conventional wife on the grounds, wife on the phone kind of movie. Does she have a scene? I yeah, I really can't think of a scene. I can't think of what her clip would have really been like. It's not a movie. I mean, it's not one of the things that I admire about the movie is that it isn't a movie that's really plugging in these big performances and giving actors no. these big moments. Even Hanks, you know, it's it's almost not surprising that he didn't get a nomination for it because it's not a very actory kind of movie. It's very ensemble-y. It's very like the, the movie is. It's very... Their performances have that kind of measured pace to them mm-hmm. that the direction does that I really like. And Harris makes a little bit more sense because he does have kind of like a bombastic... Um, like, I got to take control of the situation. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, yeah. he really is commanding. So he really draws yeah. your attention when he's on screen. But yeah, Quinlan, it is more of a... Yeah, the the wife on the phone kind of thing. She's watching Concerned, and I guess maybe my only belief, I guess, for why that performance would have stood out at the time when people were really won over by this movie is that she is the human element of it, and mm. because we are seeing the other stuff, Hanks and Bacon and Paxton, and even Sinise Harris, like all of these guys are working through the clinical kind of nature of the movie, the technical nature of it. So mm. Quinlan is like almost our audience surrogate where she is the one mm. who's possessing that kind of watching what's going on and taking in that emotionality of it. I don't think there's enough there for me personally that warrants it being an award nomination worthy kind of a performance. But maybe at that time when you're watching the movie, when it's first coming out, that is a reason why audiences and voters and whoever would connect specifically with that performance. No, that makes sense. That would make, that makes sense. Just for, for me, for me, I, I just watched and I was like, she's barely in this movie and she got nominated. That's crazy. It's, but, it's, but I, I, I will say that back to the film, it's that, I admired a lot of, of it being on the ground. I admired the setup, the angst, the frustration, the the way that we now know Ron Howard to be just this very smaltzy, over-the-top sort of director. Yeah. That scene where they find out that Sinise can't go with them mm-hmm. is, I think, one of the best scenes of the film. Three, because it just, three guys sitting on chairs. Three guys sitting on chairs. It's focused on Sinise, who's fantastic in this film. Excellent, yeah. And just the sheer frustration yet disappointment about it all. Like, for me, that was something that I just really admired and really was profoundly respected um, from Ron Howard here and how he was just like, I'm going to let this situation, these events, uh, 
these people and I'm going to let these actors and I'm going to trust these actors yeah. enough to carry it without me having to take it to an unnecessary level of dramatic uh, height. Uh, height. How would you say it? Like uh, heights, I guess it's sure. just the best way yeah. of saying it because he has that. He does that shit all the fucking time and it is annoying yeah. because of the fact that he just can't. It's it's sort of like why I got a little I've gotten frustrated over the years a little bit with Steven Spielberg too, in that they are of a of an era of the nineties where audiences did love the schmaltz and they were able to to sort of lend into that. And I think for modern storytelling right now, it doesn't blend well. Sure, you know it it, it does for some things. It doesn't for others. It depends on really who's writing the script and the ultimate edit. And somebody just like being able to like slap. You know, a director's hand and be like, nope, you don't get control of this fucking movie. You don't get to do any of that because you haven't earned it anymore. And I think that once they, they get into space, it is very tense. It It's very quick. I think everything is actually really quick now from what I remember because I remember spending a lot of time up there and really just, you know, kind of it, it felt really extended. I guess when you're a kid, it feels very long. But watching it now, it's very quick. All the situations seem very dire, very drastic. And then, yeah, it leads to, I think, an ending that, I mean, he he, he nails this thing. Howard or Hanks? Both. Both, yeah. Both of them. I think, like, Hanks, throughout this whole movie, like, you feel like it's almost funny how First Man dives into the Neil Armstrong of it all. Sure when like this movie exists and is exploring the fallout of the Neil Armstrong of it all, the, the fact that like someone is not as famous and is not as known as the first man or whatever to walk, but is, is trying to, to get to that aspirations. And the fact that like when they got to Apollo 13, the stations didn't give a shit and they weren't airing it. And they were trying and in that gym level was, one of the best and smartest people they had and just missed out on all these opportunities and finally gets his shot and it goes horribly wrong from the get-go and should have been a sign and his perseverance to keep going and wanting to do this is ultimately like the driving force as to why he probably shouldn't have gone right and why they should have cut it and then he gets up there and it's you feel for him and and really it's interesting that like at one point, Costner, Kevin Costner, wanted to be in this role and almost yeah, did. Yeah, they kind of wrote it for him, right? Yeah, they wrote it for him, and then it just fell off. I think he was going to try to direct it too. Oh, that's interesting. And I it just and it didn't. Yeah, and it didn't work out. Yeah. And then, um, and then, uh, John Travolta was considered as well. Of course, <laughs> he declined. Yeah, because you know, hey, I'm in, I'm in space, Sandy. <laughs> Um, but I think Hanks brings levity and sincereness. And really it's, it's, it's actually from the last two years, he's made movies where he's played one, two very over the top characters. You could say because one's very, you know, you're having to play this disease. Yeah, it's very. You're having to play someone with AIDS, and it's very dramatic and it's very heightened. Then you're having to play Forrest fucking Gump, 
which is like you know a character it's almost a myth really. it's almost a mythical character at that yeah, point yeah yeah you know we talked I mean? about it last week as it being like a magical kind of thing yeah and that's this is yeah. really like the start of hanks as kind of that guy that we see a lot of now as the guy who just shows up and you know he's playing these guys who are just good at their job right they're just normal regular guys it's, who it, are just good at their yeah. job and it's the first time that he's played a real person uh you know a real actually playing a a person who actually existed right like philadelphia kind of loosely based on a couple like a couple real guys but the first time that he's playing somebody who is and the name of you know a real life person and that's something that we see him then kind of continue doing for a while and every time it's those kind of roles the the bridges spies the captain phillips the sullies where it's a guy who's showing up and just getting the job done and he's just good at his job and then he just goes home to you know his wife and he's just a, a regular guy even though i like i what you brought up there one of the things that i really found interesting about this movie that i pro- i'm sure i didn't pick up on when i first saw it as like a teenager was this idea of one it being a time in america where astronauts were like some of the most famous people in the country like people knew the names of astronauts right but then yeah also that being juxtaposed with the fact that once we got to the moon people just kind of stopped giving a shit and like yeah. like how you were saying about you know they're the scene where they're broadcasting the guys like the the three guys in apollo are broadcasting themselves back to america and they think that it's going to be on the news and everything but then we see that the news isn't playing them because nobody cares they're just playing the ball game or whatever which is which is fucking nuts because they didn't do that in the first fucking apollo like the apollo 11 mission yeah like where they had an actual camera to go inside and yeah actually like i would have been like what the fuck are we doing here like that's pretty fucking awesome like yeah it's actually it was like it's like, pretty revolutionary yeah it shows you know? like just how quickly americans were just like yeah we went to the moon all right you know let's let's get back to normal life and then it's only once things go terribly wrong and these guys might die that everybody in america yeah everybody in america is on the edge of their seat seeing you know if these guys are going to make it back or not and yeah it's it's really Mm -hmm. interesting to just and i think the movie effectively takes us back to that time where this, the space race and our relationship with astronauts and NASA and everything was very, very different than what it is now. And you really, you really feel it. It's really interesting to watch that go down. It is also really interesting to watch this movie in the just position, Mitchell, of the last couple of months, the new Richard Linklater film, Apollo yeah. and a half mm-hmm. came out. And that movie is such a love letter to Houston, Texas, Mm -hmm. NASA, the space program, a program now that is just a shambles, like, you know, fucking stupid ass space force and all this other crap that that they want to call it. And the fact that, that we're not trying to explore more man missions out there that we've gone completely away from it. We have canceled these programs. We have essentially almost defunded NASA to the point where it's like, not even like it doesn't even exist really. When you think about it, it was such a backbone for an entire community. And in that film and how 
that movie really romanticizes it. And this movie shows that within the beauty of going to space does lie the terror of and the in the the um, anxiety that and the in really just the the fear that these missions can have. And it was weird. <laughs> I watched this movie and I watched uh, Ridley Scott's Alien afterwards, and sure. so I'm done with space movies yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Um, but um, and that movie is all obviously the ultimate film about like space tension and a bunch of other. There's a ton of other things that movie's trying to talk about. Uh, but like the the premiere thing is just like, oh, don't scream in space. But like this, I think like weirdly, like Apollo 13 is like, okay, this is what really happens when shit fucks up in space. Yeah. Like fuck gravity and fuck alien and all these other things. Like this is literally what happened from the account of the actual guys from their scientific, factual, firsthand experience. And it's fucking terrifying because it can be all rainbow flips and, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey playing on music and all this shit one second. And the next minute they're freezing their goddamn asses off and literally at any moment could become human popsicles. And I think what's also really interesting about the film is it's and I don't think that we get this a lot because I think as, as a country, we don't unite together is that you can clearly tell that there's frustration in people that don't agree on every single aspect of how to bring them home. And there's that scene where Harris is trying to get, you know, everybody under control to sort of say, Hey, it doesn't matter. We got these guys. We need to get them home. This is our mission. Fuck your politics. Check it at the door. Let's go. Otherwise they're going to die. And the movie could feel like a giant, Raw, raw American, like pat yourself on the back. It could very much feel like Forrest fucking Gump, and I don't think the movie one hundred percent does that because I think it's focused more on the people rather than the the country and the incident and everything. Yeah, it's focused on the three men, and it because like at the end you hear about the, what happens to the three men. You don't hear about what happens to the fucking NASA program. Right. You know what I mean? Like. You don't hear about it like oh, the next Apollo mission, da da da, or whatever. You know, like, they don't give a shit about any of that. Like it's about the three men specifically, and I find that interesting is because you know, as a person that covers, you know, award stuff and 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 knows the history of the Oscars and stuff, I think that the that's one of the reasons why Apollo thirteen lost to Braveheart, right? Yeah, was that it doesn't fully commit to the to the American rah rah you know, sort of uh, feeling that, that and ride the coattails of, of Forrest Gump, which is exactly like that. Like that movie is a disgusting 3 a.m. sat in a box diner piece of American pie that people think is good and because they warmed it up in a microwave and think it's fresh. And this movie is, is the, is I don't think nearly that movie. And so people are like, well, you know, that movie is not as, also too like we we saw this movie maybe before or you know this uh movie to make us all feel good and you know we like mel gibson so i don't know <laughs> like you know you know what i'm trying to say is that i think yeah. that there was there's a sense of like maybe it's because they didn't take ron howard seriously or maybe it was because of 
that they'd done a Tom Hanks movie two years in a row or something like that, or maybe that they had done the big American film the year before, so let's anoint something else, or it was weirdly Mel Gibson's time. Um, but I always found that interesting because like, this is one of those movies that everyone always talks about as one of those big upsets. And I mean, like Braveheart is what it is. And I'm not really a big fan of that movie. And that was long before, you know, what Mel Gibson has turned into, uh, even though I think Mel Gibson for a long time has been a, 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 a pretty good actor. He's just like a terrible human being. Like you can say that, mm-hmm. um, he had a he had he definitely had a presence on screen for a long long time and then now it's like I don't ever want to see him in anything. Um but I think this movie and I'm curious what you think of it too is is because you mentioned it being so stripped down from what we've seen Ron Howard do before. I wonder why he sort of sidestepped and went away from it because it feels like now every movie he makes is almost in the box of like a beautiful mind, which he was awarded by the Oscars rather than like this. Yeah. And those, and those two movies, you, you judge them how you will. And maybe one day we'll do Russell Crowe and we'll talk about that movie in depth and its problems. But I think the Ron Howard of it all, his evolution, it almost like he said, okay, I stripped myself down here. It didn't work. Now I have to ham, ham bone it back up. Yeah, I mean, it's and it really is tragic. Yeah, you know. I mean, we should definitely do a Russell Crowe or a Jennifer Connelly series too. It'd be really cool. Um, but yeah, oh, we can talk about Hulk. I would love to talk about Hulk. Um, <laughs> I would love to do an Eric Bana series. Um, but yeah, it's. I think I think you might be right that because. I mean, the we've been talking about how Hanks didn't get nominated. Howard didn't get nominated for director either, which is really interesting because this movie is, like, all direction. Like, so much of its success rides on how he approached it and the fact that he approached it going for technical accuracy and wanting to be as authentic as possible and not sugarcoat it, not add in all of these different flourishes and unrealistic things that never actually happened as we saw in a beautiful mind, which is a movie that is like 80% false, you know, telling a a real story in the most manufactured artificial Hollywood way possible. And this one doesn't get him a director nomination, let alone a win. It doesn't get a best picture nomination. It's, but it's beloved and still beloved to this day. I think most people probably would agree that it's his best movie. He even still says to this day that it's his best movie. And it is odd that he pushed away from this kind of directing style into that more Hollywoodized, whatever you want to call it, melodramatic thing. And I don't, I don't really know what would have compelled him to do that because he saw that this worked and you can feel his passion in this still without it having to be that manufactured. You really feel how much care everybody put into this movie, but particularly him. It's it's in like every nut and bolt on that, you know, shuttle is how much the guy making it cares about this movie. And I think that that pays off and it shows how much like that, that dedication to it 
is reflected in the guys that are on the shuttle too and their dedication to it ed harris's character and his dedication to it even kathleen quinlan's character and her dedication to Mm -hmm. you know this life that she's living and i think that translates super well to the audience in a way that the schmaltiness of something like a beautiful mind just doesn't it that stuff is Mm -hmm. it can maybe be effective in the moment sometimes because it is very specific kind of manipulation but it wears off so quickly i watched this movie apollo 13 i rewatched it two nights ago and i've still been thinking about it and every day it i've been liking it more and more the more that i sit with it because i have that deeper kind of appreciation for it no for sure i mean i think a lot about like weirdly not even hanks who is i think really good it's i think it's really interesting that they sort of market a lot of the marketing around tom hanks in space yeah and it really like to me the most interesting character of the ones in space i think is kevin bacon right yeah i think his character is so interesting because of the fact that paxton and hanks's character are part of this team already mm-hmm. right and they're a part of this they're a part of this whole team that's already been established and then Sinise leaves and everything. So you have this, this sort of, you know, coalescing of having to put this team together right at the last second, Mm -hmm. you know, and them having to make it work and his failure and everything. And seeing that he is this sort of hotshot guy and ultimately like, is it all going to work out? And it doesn't. And his anxiety. And I think of the scene where he's trying to, where Sinise is talking to him, he's trying to read back the stuff and he's, it's not necessarily just like the effects of the cold and everything getting to him. It is, it is, it's, he's scared. Yeah. And yeah, Bacon's really good in this. He, I mean, Bacon's an underrated actor. People don't give him enough fucking credit. Super underrated actor. Yeah. Like I, I'll say this to my to my grave. He's my favorite part of of Mystic River. Right. I don't know. People talk about him in that movie. They talk about you know Pin and um and Robbins, but uh, Bacon's fantastic in that movie. And um, have you ever seen the film The Woodsman? Yeah, it's that's a movie that I saw kind of when it came out, and I was absolutely blown away by his performance. And I'm curious how that movie ages now. I'm curious, exactly. I'm I remember seeing it. And I was like, "Wow, this is great!" Yeah, God, it would be, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. For for people who it's a, t- listen, it's a rough, it's a rough, rough movie. For people for listening sure. who don't know, he plays a convicted uh, sex offender, a pedophile in it, who's kind of out of prison now and trying to acclimate to regular life. And it basically the entire conceit of the movie is putting us into the perspective of a pedophile trying to live a normal life and like resist his urges and it's i mean that's as troubling as it sounds and i Mm -hmm. neither of us have seen it in a long time it was very good when it came out because it does a very effective job of doing that and bacon's phenomenal in it but yeah i would be very Mm -hmm. curious to watch it now and see if it feels uh icky in the an appropriate way or icky in a why the hell did they make this movie kind of way but it's no matter what it's a testament to how great of an actor he is yeah because he's he's always just been a great actor yeah like we don't we don't he should 
have more things to do for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think he, I think that the, the whole movie just rides on this. Like you said, it would be it like him, not, like Howard not getting nominated would be like Alfonso Caron get not not getting nominated for fucking gravity. Yeah, right. It wouldn't make any. It doesn't make any fucking it's sense. Such a technical achievement, <clears throat> and it's it's yeah. better because of the fact that he is honing in his you know maybe lesser tendencies to to go too big and to go in that direction, and the fact that he's not doing that is exactly why he should be praised for it you know oh for sure for sure and and because like i mean the liftoff and the 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 simulations and the 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 damage when the ship is damaged and all the you know even the tension like we know how you know how this movie is going to end mitchell you've seen this movie Mm -hmm. I've seen this movie. Everybody knows the events the that movie, I've seen this movie. In the opening credits, you see that the movie is based on a book written by Jim Lovell, the guy that Jim hangs his So he ain't dying. So you know that he's fine. <laughs> he's making it to the end. Yeah. So, but what's fascinating to me <laughs> is, I mean, I'm on the edge of my seat still. It's still so compelling. When we're trying to see if they landed back into the surface of the atmosphere. Yeah. And waiting to hear Hanks' voice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a testament to your director. That's a testament to who this person is helming a project that seemed to be something he was very passionate in doing. And what's so fucking weird is that instead of continuing down this passion and doing this, it almost is like he reverted back and started being like, okay, I'm going to. I did this before. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to take it to levels where I manipulate your emotions even more. I think like it doesn't work for me in a beautiful mind. I think it weirdly a movie that I think does work for it is um, Cinderella man, because that's a movie that I think too, it's not about a big person, but it's set in a big world. But then it also, that movie strips back and, and really makes it like a depression era story. And, Makes it a real underdog and, and and everything too and but then like even Rush like Rush takes it to like even big degrees I think sometimes too and then there's Frost Nixon oh I God, think really plays up the theatricality oh, of it. Fuck Frost Nixon. I kind of oh, like that movie, Frost. but I think that it really it definitely movie, plays up the theatricality of it all in a way that this. I like that. a I like a lot of the Michael Sheen and the investigation stuff and them trying to. I love all that process stuff yeah. of the interviews and everything. The Langella stuff for me just doesn't work. He's, he's like, not like the Nixon. He's not great. The Nixon stuff. You know who is good in that one? Sam Rockwell. Kevin Bacon. Kevin, yeah, Kevin Bacon's good in that too. Yeah, I mean that's there yeah. on Matthew McFad. Matthew McFadden. Matthew McFadden. Rebecca this, Hall's good in it. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen's great in it. I love Michael Sheen. Yeah. Wait, we should more vehicles, please, for Michael Sheen more to do things. Um, what a what a fucking great actor. Yeah, it's never understood like when when the when the queen came out when that movie came out uh, that Michael Sheen didn't get more love because I thought he was fantastic as Tony Blair. He's the best thing about that movie. Wow, that's saying something. I really think that he's the best thing about that movie. Mirren is she's pretty good in that movie. She's pretty good. I think. But he he should he should have got some 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 more nominations. Oh, for sure. I know he got some. For sure. He should have gotten an Oscar after that. But like, I, I just I really. I mean, this movie was what? Like on a third? This is a... 
what is the budget on this thing? This is fifty-two million dollar budget. It made three hundred and fifty-five million dollars. Yeah. In the summer. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge, huge that's, movie, that's and the fact, you know, what you're saying, the nuts. fact that Howard still considers it his best movie. It's like great. It, yes, it was. Keep do stuff like that again. And why? Know, why say, haven't you figured out why it worked then? Yeah, exactly. The fact you know you mentioned the the launch sequence, which blew my mind. And he reading up just kind of about you know some interviews with him and everything. He said that the launch sequence in Apollo thirteen is his favorite thing he's ever done. He said it's the most cinematic thing he's ever done. I both you and I watched this on the four K Blu Ray. And watching mm-hmm. that launch sequence on the 4K oh. with the sound, like that's what a 4K Blu-ray is for. That what blew my mind. Even watching the movie, you know, up until that point, that they did in that the the kind of jaw-dropping, astonishing stuff that Interstellar does with its like space sequences. They did. They <clears throat> sorry. They accomplished that same kind of sense of awe in a real practical way of something that really happened 20 years before interstellar came out and that's i mean that's it's that's a testament to the fact that ron howard is a very talented director who unfortunately uses his talents so often in ways that i just cannot sanction (laughs) no for sure for sure and yeah, I mean, it's a pretty damn good little space movie. I will say it's not great. <clears throat> it's not like the movie doesn't blow me away. I'm just, I'm just very, I respect the fucking hell out of it. Yeah, I think that's, you know I mean? that's really the thing is that it doesn't, yeah. Like I'm impressed. I think, I think the most thing is I'm just impressed that he, upon the rewatch, upon knowing about Ron Howard, upon knowing about this movie and everything I'm impressed kind of like you are at the fact that it does hold up. It does technically look great. The 4k restoration is extraordinary. The sound work is still fantastic. It's a, it's still a great technical achievement. It's very in and out in terms of what it wants to do. It doesn't overstay. It's welcome. Yeah. It doesn't get schmaltzy. It's just a very solid picture and there's a lot to admire about it. And I, and I really respect that. And I think, you know, obviously we're doing a, a series on Tom Hanks and like, I think what's so great about it is his performance here feels so effortless and you're right. It's very much the template for what he's been doing recently. I think, you know, yeah. playing real life characters and playing these people that are, um, that, you know, that put on their, you know, their hats and take their lunch pills and go to work, Yeah, you know? And some are bigger than others. Some are Sully Sullenberger and some of them are Mr. Rogers and others are even like this or Bridge of Spies or, you know, or, you know, there's there's various other ones in between. Um, But I no, I think that he's good in this. Like he doesn't have to be great in it. That's the thing. He doesn't have to be grand. Exactly. You know, I actually I like him more in this than I do in Forrest Gump because I think he's I think he's super he's just more confident and, and and you can feel his his frustrations and his his longing to go to space yeah. it's a lot what i like about for different reasons too but s- similar reasons to ryan gosling in first man is that they 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 have a mission they're looking to to complete it they want to go 
But then once they get up there, the goals are the, you know, the situation, the drama heightens in different ways. Yeah. Like, you know, in first man, it heightens because he actually has to land the fucking thing. Yeah. And it's the first time he's ever done it. And in this, it's, you know, there's that moment where everyone's like, they still don't have a plan and he's exhausted and he's like on the verge of death. And it's his way of saying like, why don't you all just get your head out of your fucking ass? And it's the nicest way he's saying it too, but it's basically the the version of it is like, why don't you get your head out of your fucking ass and give us the plan so we can get the hell out of here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But done in such like the subtle, nicest Tom Hanksy way. Yeah. Because this movie is still PG and yeah. kiddos are trying to see it. Yeah. You know? so. And that, I mean, the what he said there was apparently based on, like it was a real line that Lovell said in space because a, a lot of the lines in the movie from the guys in the shuttle and the guys in mission control were because they had like recordings of all of this stuff yeah so those were like actual lines that people said but one of the things you know with hank's performance i read this thing that howard was saying where he had a dinner with billy wilder and billy wilder said that apollo 13 is howard's best movie and one of the reasons or the main reason why billy wilder thought that it was howard's best movie is because it's about a guy who doesn't get to fulfill his dream. He doesn't get to live his dream. You know, Lovell's dream is stepping foot on the moon and that it's so much more compelling to follow a journey about a guy who doesn't get to live his dream yeah. than it is a guy who just gets to do it. And I think that that Hanks plays that so well, as you're saying, once things shift, cause he still is just a guy who needs to do his job. And at that point, his job is no longer getting them to the moon his job is making sure that him and these two guys get back home safely and get back to their family and so he just turns that switch and he still is just this guy who's just getting it done and i think that that's part of the skill of or a demonstration of what a talented actor he is that he never overplays that because that guy could be played Mm -hmm. in such a bigger way but it takes a lot of confidence in your own skills to play this character as straight down the middle as he does to not give in to those kind of emotional tendencies and wanting to be the big actor, having the big scenes and the big emotions and just be able to play them as, yeah, like straightforward as he does here. And I think that's why it's such a great performance. Yeah. No, he's fantastic. He's so good at it. I think he's, he's really good. I don't know why. I mean, I kind of get why. He didn't get nominated. I totally get it, but he still like, should have. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those where it's like, I mean, isn't the last two wins good enough for you, Thomas? Right. You know. But then, you know, what's been this thing, and and we're going to talk about this as it as go on in his career. But it's he has those two wins. They're so monumental. It's the last actor to win back to back, like that. Mm-hmm. And yet. It's like he's almost been allergic for a long, long time to the Academy. I mean, we'll talk about it probably in Captain Phillips, and we'll talk about it in, uh, you know, he got nominated in Castaway, and, and I mean, that's like clearly a good performance just where just you're like, like how the f- yeah. how the fuck do you not win for this thing? It's so good, yeah. you know. And he just gets this, and then there's other pro- like he just gets taken taken for granted. Yeah, yeah. it's all it, you know. It's it's a lot like I think like other actors of his generation that where they were like, yeah, they're, they're great. What, what else do you want me to say? Yeah. Like about we, them? yeah, we know they're great. 
it's like yeah, it's not surprising that they're giving a phenomenal performance so people yeah. don't think so to when put them on the new people come on the block yeah. yeah you know they're like they're taking you know, taking for granted but yeah this should definitely be one of those because like Tom Hanks should be one of the most nominated actors of all time and he's not yeah for sure and it's kind of weird it's kind of weird that he isn't but yet he's Maybe the most popular actor of his generation. I mean, I think that's why. That's why we're doing yeah, this exactly. exercise. That's why. That's why he's the first one. Because it's like, well, if you're gonna do any actor, I mean, start it off. Tom Tom Hanks is started the, off the with actor. Exactly. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think. I don't think so. I I did there no. on the on the Blu-ray. There's two commentary tracks, um, which I checked out. One is Ron Howard um, by himself, which is a very like technical kind of commentary track and then the other one is with um is with jim level and his wife marilyn level and it's just the two of them doing the commentary and i found that one really funny because so much of the commentary is them like pointing out things that are wrong like factually incorrect about the movie but it's it's like really little like stuff that they point out and it's all within the understanding of like this is what they had to change but also we understand why they changed it because like certain things like Gary Sinise's character, Ed Harris's character, they represent things that a few other guys did, but dramatically it just makes more sense to put all that stuff onto one character. And so it's like little stuff like that, but it's still kind of like a fun thing to watch and like, or to listen to. And Marilyn Lovell said all this praise for Tom Hanks and how well he matched, like completely matched the mannerisms of Jim Lovell. And little things like... um. There's the one scene where she has this nightmare about the mm-hmm. the mission going wrong, and it's like one one of the few kind of embellishments in the movie, and a scene where Howard even said that he got kind of criticized for that scene because people said that it was him leaning into his like hokey tendencies or whatever. But Marilyn Lovell on the commentary, they're talking about how the fact that that, that dream that nightmare actually happened, and the thing with mm-hmm. her. Um, dropping her wedding ring into the shower drain before the mission happens and it being this like ominous sign that something's going to go wrong that's also something that actually happened so i just thought that 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 was like an interesting um thing yeah thing just to point out is that those two commentaries are really cool and the idea the one with the two of them especially is really cool just to hear their kind of perspective on the whole thing and again how how accurate the movie got it, how the things that you would even think are not accurate are actually accurate. It's a fun listen. Yeah. No, I gotta, I gotta take a listen to that. Um, Mitchell, did we last week do the co-star segment? Yes. What did I, what did I end up picking last week? You. Oh, I picked princess bride. That's right. That's what I did. Yeah. 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 Do you have, your pick for the co-star I do. segment of the week? I remember to do it now. Um, okay. So my pick for our co-star segment where we each week we choose a movie to recommend to listeners starring one of the actors in the movie that we're covering that is not the specific actor who we are covering. So for this one, mm-hmm. it's any actor in Apollo 13 who is not Tom Hanks. We pick them and then recommend mm-hmm. one of their other movies. So for me... I'm going with Bill Paxton, and the movie that I'm recommending is called One False Move. It is a 1992 movie uh, directed by Carl Franklin, who would next direct Devil in a Blue Dress after One False Move. Devil in a Blue Dress came out the same year as Apollo 13, one of my favorite movies. Um, uh, One False Move is also one of my favorite movies. It's a neo-noir about three criminals on the run who go into hiding in Star City, Arkansas. 
two detectives from the LAPD show up and work with the town sheriff, who is played by Bill Paxton, to track them down. It's not a super complicated movie. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton plays one of the criminals. He also co-wrote the script. It's a really great script. It's really just this like bruising, character-driven noir that super keeps you engaged and roots you into kind of the world and these people. So if you're somebody who really likes neo-noir, as I very much do, probably my favorite genre, One False Move is a, a highlight of it that I really recommend anybody check out. I have not seen that film. It's, I mean, it's really, really good. Very good. So I need to uh, get on it. Get on it. Uh, doggone it. How about for I you? am going <laughs> I'm going to pick a film from the great Ed Harris, who was nominated for um for Apollo thirteen. As he should have been. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna pick the other film that he has one of the other films that he's been nominated for, because he's been nominated a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, he's been around the block. He has four Oscar nominations. Four? Yeah, yeah. he should have more. He's Apollo, a, Thir- Apollo, Apollo thirteen was his first. He's been nominated for Pollock and the Hours, but I'm going to talk about his second nomination, uh, The Truman Show. Yeah, which is a damn damn good movie. Yeah, and um, just one of those movies too that that makes you think about your role in the world. What is our media? How we consume it. Um, I think it's, it really has just like this beautiful performance by Jim Carrey and mastering that with matching that. I mean, with with the masterful performance by Ed Harris and I think Laura Linney is really good too. And mm-hmm. uh, Peter Weir, one of those directors that just really knows how to get great performances, really do some very interesting character movies. Like Peter Weir would be a fascinating movie series to do down the road. Just with all the different films that he has in his yeah, a tremendous director with such like yeah, such such yeah. a range of projects. I know that there is uh, so I would I would recommend watching the Truman Show if you haven't seen it. It's one of those great films of the '90s. But I know that there's a film on this on his uh, filmography, Ed Harris. That is that you are a massive fan of, and I am not. And, I, and it's because I I saw it way back when, and I was not a fan of it. But I need to rewatch it. And I'm gonna because I'm going to try to take a Cronenberg deep dive a little bit over the next couple of weeks before his new film comes out. And that's a history of violence. Yeah. So I was not a fan of history of violence. And, um, and so, but yeah, Ed Harris, like one of our great actors that we have, he's, like period. he's one of the best he's, actors. What a gem. Sure. Like, yeah, I mean, Ed Harris, the only reason why I can get through something like Westworld and not want to kill myself. You sure. I mean? Yeah. Like it's not a good show. God, not a good show. He, on the other hand, great. Cause he's great in everything. So, yeah. Well, Mitchell, that's going to be our Paul 13 episode. Uh, can you tell everyone out there where they can find you and your great work? Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at it is Mitchell. You can find me on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash Mitchell. My work you can read at uh, Letterboxd on our editorial platform uh, journal or at other outlets like the Film Stage, Pace Magazine. Uh, what's that? The playlist I write for probably more than anything else. Um, yeah, but yeah, just follow me on Twitter. That's where kind of my stuff generally ends up being. How about for you, buddy? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox at Ryan McQuaid seventy seven. You can find my work over at Awards Watch, In Session Film, and Film Speak. You can find my other podcasts that I do, which is the Extra Film Podcast over at In Session Film. You can find 
the newly announced Awards Watch podcast every week. The show will be released on Mondays over at awardswatch.com. And for us, like I said earlier, you can find us on Twitter, the show, at Acting Out Pod. You can email us in long form with any comments, questions, or concerns over at actingoutpod at gmail.com. You can also rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes and Spotify. Five stars, please. If you do that, we will read your reviews on the show. We'll read the good ones, at least. We'd like good positivity spread out there. And please, if you are listening, let a friend or a couple of friends know about the show and share it with them and listen and talk about these movies and some of our shenanigans and, uh, and our questionnaires and all that other stuff and see how you would answer them and all that too. Next week's episode, we are doing something different. We are talking about Toy Story, but we're actually going to talk about all the Toy Stories. We're going to talk about one, two, three, and four. All four Toy Stories in one episode. Yeah. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. Yeah. And I hope you all enjoy that. But until then, we will see you all next time.